Welcome to the Writer's Block Party Podcast with your hosts Meredith Bond and Prue Warren, where they discuss every aspect of a writer's life, from the craft of writing and editing, through publishing and marketing, and finally into building a global publishing empire. Here is Mary and Prue. Hello, welcome to the Writer's Block Party podcast. I am one of your two co-hosts. I am Prue Warren, representing writers who have not published a great deal. And I'm with my co-host. I am Meredith Bond, representing those who have published more than, <laughs> although you have published now four books, right? Or oh, five. Darling. Excuse me, five. <laughs> I <saved> your pardon. <laughs> I'm an overachiever. You yes, really are. Five in my first year, that is a record that I think I'm going to, for the rest of my life, be chasing. <laughs> you know, that's the enthusiasm of, of new, right? I mean, I'll never be able to sustain it, and I don't expect to sustain it. I'm hoping for three this year. I think three is a great number. Yep. Three is a, three is a great number in many respects. <laughs> um, three is a great number. It really is. Today, Marilyn, we're talking about Tips and tricks to sustain a series. Tips and tricks to on, on writing a series. I'm looking on at writing a series. For writing a series. I only have one tip or trick, and I will share it with you first so that you can pass on the wisdom. This is what I've learned. If you this is this is tremendously practical. If you want to sell something on Amazon for more than $9.99 or more than $10, Amazon will be glad to have you do it. However, they will only provide you with 35% of that price as your royalties. Whereas if you go under $10, they'll give you 70%. If you write a series that is four books and you're selling each of those books for $3.99, oh, look at that. When you go to sell it on Amazon as a box set, you are now losing money. Or, or, you can increase the price to the point where no one will buy it. But, right. but the point is, there is great, there's tremendous power in the number three. Here we go again. Here's the number three. There's great power in it. If you sell three books that you usually sell, the first one for $2.99, the next two for $3.99, Shazam, when you sell that book for a box set for $9.99, your series is no longer losing you money and enough people in the world like to binge that they only want to buy series. So if you write a series, you give yourself a big advantage if you think of it in terms of three books, not four books or five books or 10 books. But if you want to write more than three, you have to write them in multiples of three. So you do the box set of the first three and the box set of the second three and the box set of the fifth three, however many you want to write. You have to think in terms of three for marketing on Amazon in 2022. Who knows what the hell is going to change in the future? But for right now, if you want to write a series, you are you give yourself an advantage if you think in terms of three. How's that for my good tip? I love that tip. I think it's a fantastic tip. And if you notice, most series are in multiples of three. It's true. They are. I mean, Lord of the Rings. I'm sure J.R.R. Tolkien was not saying to himself, will Amazon allow me to market the box set? <laughs> Pretty sure he wasn't. 
<laughs> I don't know but why you is, think that, but <laughs> it is a powerful number. Three is a very powerful number. It is. Because if you have a series of two books, then it's almost not a series because it's just two books. But well, it's if, a story and a sequel. Yeah, it's a story and a sequel. Right. But if you have a series of four books, then yeah, you're right. It's awkward to, to market that as a box set. You know, Mary, I'm thinking about three and its power. And I'm wondering if we can equate this to the three-act structure, which is such a mainstay of novel oh, writing. Absolutely. You, you, you have a beginning act. You set, up the, you set up the issue. You come to a crisis in the issue as act two, and you resolve the issue in act three. There may be something sort of Joseph Conrad, right? Um, uh, the hero's journey about three, there may be something so You mean universal. Joseph Campbell. Joseph Campbell. <laughs> Good for you. You score very high on your on your English literature SATs today. <laughs> but there may be something very powerful about that, that concept of three things that goes beyond whether or not you write a series. So I'm sorry, I'm off on a I'm off on a tangent. So uh, yeah, so and what, and Campbell, the hero's journey does does work on a set of three because he splits the hero's journey up into three parts. So book one, two, and book three. <laughs> <laughs> Although I will say, I mean, pulling it back in from the wild beyond for writing a romance series, unless you're willing to do cliffhangers, which you better advertise up front because they will piss people off if they don't know there's going to be a cliffhanger. Seriously. Um, it, you, for a romance series, it's very hard to think of it in terms of in book one, the hero and heroine meet. We wait until book two for things to get hairy and we wait for book three for the happy resolution. So in terms of writing a romance series, things are a little different. You do have to set up your story so that it can sustain two more stories after it. Probably not with the same hero and heroine. That's what I was about to say. In that case, your overarching story that connects the series together should not be the romance, or at least not the primary romance. You can have a secondary romance that can arch over the three books. But right. each, to be proper romances, each book has to have a different hero and heroine and end with a happily ever after. So, so you know, the first, the first book that I wrote, after learning what a romance was, <laughs> is is a standalone. Mm -hmm. And I was writing it and did a one of those horrible pitch to the agent editor things. Mm -hmm. And I pitched and the and the editor agent said, well, doesn't she have two best friends who can come along and do books two and three? And I went, no, she doesn't have two best friends. And they went, well, if you had two best friends, if you had two sorority sisters, if you had two actual sisters, if you had two more people at the coffee shop where she works, then you can write the next two books. And I went, well, shit, that's a good idea. So in the middle of book two of that series, all of a sudden, best friends appear. <laughs> like out of the blue, where have you been all along? Oh, busy, napping. <laughs> so there is a huge advantage to stopping before you sit down at the laptop and begin to write to thinking about, can I put in people in this book that I will like enough to write follow-ups featuring their romances? I have to say that the first Regency set 
fantasy novel that I wrote mm-hmm. was also a standalone. And I had not even thought of making it a series. And the villain of the book is the hero's mother. And I had a reader write to me and say, how could a mother treat her son that way? And I said, huh, sequel. Sequel. (laughs) (laughs) So was it the mother's story, the sequel? And so I wrote the mother's story as a novella. Actually, it turned out to be a novella. And that was how she met the hero's father. And that did not answer the question of how she turned evil. And so I had to write a third book. Oh, look at that. Trilogy. 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 Perfect. Which explains how the mother went bonkers, which is why she became evil. Oh, I I like it. I like it. I must say. It ended up actually being a four book series because the hero has a cousin who is very close who I really wanted to write her book. And so it is a four book series, but it's three novels and a novella. So I, I have bundled all four books together as a $9.99 box set. See, I think three stories and a novella is brilliant because if you write the three stories and your loyal readers are reading them as you go along, then you offer them the box set with a new novella attached to it and maybe a new forward and a new, you know, Hugs and kisses to you, my beloved reader. Here are the updates. Here's the updates. I think that's a really neat idea. And I love the concept of choosing the cousin and you just wanted to tell her story because this is how I stumbled into the Ampersand series because I was writing Sin in the Peanut Butter Cup with no intention of having a, a, a trilogy or as it turned out, a quartet because I'm an idiot. Um, <laughs> but I fell in love with a secondary character. Mm-hmm. And so I wrote his love story and then I fell in love with a secondary character. So I wrote his love story. And by that time, I figured this, this system out. So I wrote in to the third one. I wrote in a character uh, who I thought, all right, I'm, now I'm going to create the next, the next generation. And it was harder to fall in love with her. But I did. And I fell in love with her and came to love her. And I think the fourth book in the series is maybe, I don't know, maybe the best. But um So then what you need to do is write two novellas that go with the series. So that's what I did with my quartet, because the very first books that I wrote were a quartet for good friends. And so each one has a book. And then I wrote a novella giving what either the hero or the heroine's parents backstory. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I call it the Merry Men Parents series because I'm well, that, clever that way. And I, so the, I, the box set are is two books and a novella. And there are two box sets. And there are two box sets. Well, I love that idea because uh, the first book, Sin in the Peanut Butter Cup, features a crazy old lady named Maddie. And she's kind of a scene stealer. I mean, people really liked her. And so I was thinking, what if I wrote Maddie's romance? Absolutely. That'd be a great novella. And then I could do something at the end of the series. So that's yeah. a really great. That's a great idea. People would buy two novels and a novella. And I didn't have to price it at $9.99. Let's see. No, I think I priced it at like $6.99 or $7.99, something like that. $2.99 and $3.99. And what would you price a novella at 99 cents? So we call that three for one. Oh my God, that's $8. I could price it at 7 dollars 
and sell the first as, oh, I love this idea. <laughs> I can even make more money because if you have to buy two novels for $7.99 and then the next two novels with a novella for $7.99, suddenly I'm selling all four of them for, for uh, $16 instead of $10. Oh, Tips and tricks for writing a series. Hello, more money. <laughs> Yay! Novella. Brilliant. Okay, very good. Okay, here is my big tip and trick for writing a series. Okay, go. Bible. Oh, I was just wondering this myself. Go on, keep going. Yes, as you write, every time you introduce a new character, Lop that character and their description into either an Excel spreadsheet or into a table in Microsoft, a list in Microsoft Word. Put in just copy and paste from what you're writing, the description of who they are and the relationship to the hero and heroine and where they come in, where they are met. Well, I also think you have to put in the name of the book they're in. Well, yes, yes, yes. Relation to heroine, heroine. Okay. Because I was thinking, and and this is this is the the kindergarten version of that. I'm working on the second book in my new trilogy, trilogy three, and I'm using names for tertiary characters. Mm-hmm. Have I used the name Mike before? Right. I I thought I needed to have a master name list, but what yep. we're talking about here is something much more comprehensive. Yes, because I mean, you. I actually have split up my Bible to the first, it's on an Excel spreadsheet. And you know how you can have different pages in an Excel spreadsheet. So the first page is the primary characters. The second page is the secondary characters. And the third page is just throwaway characters that don't do anything, but names are there. You actually, you literally separate them out. Yeah, I do. Because now I have to look in three different places if I've seen the word Mike before. Yeah, it's true. But that way, but, it's easier. I know because if if Mike is a throwaway character, then you can have more than one Mike. But if Mike is a secondary character who has lines and and you know does something something noteworthy or or is the the hero or heroine's best friend or whatever it is, then you want you won't want to reuse the name. Well, but I was just thinking that I love the idea of putting in whatever description, whatever you know about that character. Because if I look in my my Bible and I my naming Bible, I see the word Mike and it has a full paragraph of description after it. I know that's probably a significant character. I mean, yeah. you could literally, but by how much information do I know about Mike? That's Mike, good. garage technician, or Mike, tall, handsome. Tends to have a scruffy beard, loves the heroine, right? I mean, if it goes on and on, I think, I think, I think because I'm innocent and ignorant that I will forego your plan of three different pages in the naming Bible and just do um, one list. But I hadn't even thought that I could include all the other information about that character. I think that's really smart. I would add that I'm. You know, you inspired me when you said in the Ladies Wagering with Society, you had three women in a scene, and that scene occurs in three different books, each uh-huh. one told by the different protagonists. That's what I'm going to do in this series that I'm working on now. So I have to write all three of them at once. Uh, so I need a, 
I also need a timeline of what's going on and what's happening. Oh, and absolutely. I my Excel spreadsheet yesterday because I've written the first book and now I'm trying to make the second book hang together so that conversation happens at the same time in each book, right? Yep. So, okay. So in your Bible, you do names and descriptions in relation to the hero and heroine. I'm going to add a timeline because these books are concurrent. Well, what I have a, a separate calendar for my concurrent book. It's literally, it, it's a calendar page, you know, so uh, April, May, June, July, whatever. And on each, in each, you know, box of the calendar is what happens that day. And it's on, I have it on my computer. And so if it, you know, if it's in lieu of a princess, then it's in blue. And if it's princess on the run, then it's in red. And if it's a prince among spies, the third book in the series, then it's purple. I was doing an Excel spreadsheet on this day. This is what happens to her. And on this day, this is what happens to her so that I can get them all lined up. But I think that's just because I am not good yet at any calendar function. It doesn't matter. I think the point is write it down somewhere and and have it. And actually, when I was was finishing up doing the last trilogy of the Ladies Wagering Whist Society, I actually put it up on my wall and had different colored sticky notes for each book. Did you? You had nine books in the Ladies. No, Wagering no, no. Whist. The last one, the last trilogy, the was last trilogy. really interwoven and right. all happened concurrently, and it was just a mess by the time I got to the end of the third book. <laughs> and so. I, I had I covered a wall and made it a one huge calendar wow. <laughs> and was moving sticky notes around and moving scenes around and making sure that everything was yeah, yeah. right. It was a yeah, part. that's absolutely it was a headache. <laughs> yep. Yeah, a headache. Sort of a fun. I mean, you limp across the finish line at the end, but I mean that's a puzzle. That's a great big yeah. that'd be fun together. Exactly. Okay. What else do you put in your Bible? I put places. You do a place. Yeah, I do places because, well, because I'm writing Regency, I have lots of balls and parties and and places where people go. And so I want to keep track of at so-and-so's house, she has a red sofa. And at this other lady, other person's house, she has a blue sofa with green walls, you know. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever it is. Probably. In those regencies, one of the most glorious things is what is she wearing, right? And you want to make sure she's not wearing the same thing. Or if you're in a books in a series and they're going to the same ball, she better be wearing gauzy <laughs> silver spangled with stars in this book and also in the next book and not suddenly, you know, in fawn, fawn green or something. <laughs> so places, but also in your calendar, you need, you probably need. If they're overlapping, if things happen in book one that also happen in book two, you on your calendar, you'd better put down the details, what you were wearing or the dialogue that was spoken or or flag it somehow so you can make sure the same dialogue occurs on the same day from book to book. Well, what I do, I, I cheat. I find that scene copy in and- the previous book and just copy and paste. <laughs> that is also my intention. I haven't done it yet, but yes, that's. <laughs> that way you don't have to worry about it. That way it's identical. <laughs> you just okay. then change the point of view. Characters, timeline, places. Is there anything else you'd put in your Bible? It's pretty good. 
I'm no, not, that's I'm not, it. What else? That's pretty good. I suppose okay. if you're writing fantasy, you might want to put in people's uh, magical abilities or whatever it is that they can do you or that they are. Name and description. Yeah. I, I, I have found that as I am writing any book, a sort of Bible develops naturally because I keep a, a list of names. That's good. Who they are. I have not yet thought to put in description in relation to hero and heroine because I'm not that experienced, but it's a really good idea. Yeah. It just makes things easier when you go back and, and reuse that character. You know, I also put in age. Oh, that's a good idea. Because I'm often thinking, you know, I'm, I'm, it's because I'm old, right? There are generational differences. People do tend to cluster with their own age group. So if you have a character who's 60 and the heroine is 25, they may get along very well, but their relationship is not going to be the same as, as the 25 year old down the street. So I, I think I do name what or who they are. This is the barber and their, and their age. So now I'm going to include any description, the cop, the, the book that they're in mm-hmm. and their relation to the hero and heroine. I, we're going, we're heading for spreadsheet. Can Scrivener accept spreadsheets? I don't think so. Okay. All right. Well, I don't mind flipping from, from A to B. Okay. Yeah. Bible is excellent tip. Uh, let me ask you, I'm gonna, I don't mean to interrupt you if you have other tips lined up. Nope. Tell me about when you say to yourself, and you're in a very good position now because you're, you're working on your new series, so this will be fresh in your mind. You don't think in terms of a hero and a heroine at this point. You think in terms of, I'm going to write three books, therefore, I've got to set these up now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I like to have, in a series, I like to have an overarching story that spans the entire series. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Some people will, so, you know, will just have people who are related in some way, you know, friends or, or. That's what the innocent do. That's the beginner version. Right. And and that's Fine. what I did right. for like my my first series. It was just four friends, and they all appeared in each other's books, and each book focused on one man. But I now like to have this overarching story that connects all three books. So it's not just individual characters, but yeah. So that's what I do. So the overarching story. I don't. I'm not asking you to spoil your your current your current series, but your overarching story are, are all, are the, are at least one person in the couple working towards a common goal with the other, with the other people in the series. Yes. We're all exactly lady Letitia's diamond, right. Parur from the bad guy. I mean, we're fighting to overthrow Napoleon. What are we, how do you, how do you decide? Well, it, well, obviously it depends on the series. So on my, my Royals Heart, my Royal Hearts series, there's one bad guy who wants the hero of one book and the heroine of another of another book, who their brother and sister, he wants to kill them because they're the prince and princess and, and he's their cousin. And if they're both dead, then his father becomes the heir to the throne and then he becomes the uh, next. Like, <laughs> I must kill my cousins. That's a classic. So, so he needs to kill his cousins. Like like one does, as one does. <laughs> and so all three books have the same antagonist, 
who is trying, who has one goal and he carries it out in all three books. But do you, here's my concern is that sooner or later, someone has to defeat the bad guy, right? And so one hero or heroine gets the glory of, of successfully overcoming the bad guy. So now your series, I mean, it's like the third one has to be Captain America, right? The third one has to be the one who wins the day. Yeah. The other two are sort of marginalized a little bit, unless we have all three of them coming together to form the super friends. Um, Which they very well could. I, I haven't, I have envisioned that the, hero of the third book does in fact save the day and and figure out mm-hmm. who the bad guy is who who's been trying to kill them all and then and the three of them then come together at the very end the the brother and sister and the imposter who is impersonating the princess <laughs> all right who is the heroine of the first book <laughs> so so for beginning authors like me, it's okay to not have too strong an outline. It's okay not to plot out three books at once. You can proceed. And especially if you're a pantser, of course you can proceed. But if yes. you're a pantser and don't like outlines anyway, do yourself a favor and throw in, you know, the two other waitresses at the coffee shop or the two cousins, or even if you're pantsing, recognize in the beginning that you're going to want to sell a series. And if you're a plotter, you can aim for the stars by doing the Meredith Bond treatment of an overarching story that gets resolved in book three. But it's not, it's not death to you if, you if your people are connected simply because they know each other and, and there is no great resolution to the entire plot. I mean, <laughs> look at Julia Quinn's Bridgerton series. They are okay. all individual books that the only connection is that it, it's all the siblings of one family. Right. There is no overarching story there you connecting go. all of them. There you go. Well, you know, here, here's, I was, here's, here's a stupid aside. My sister said that she loved um, the Stargate series. And I was, I was bored last week and said, oh, I'm going to watch, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to binge something. And so I was binging this Stargate and it was just terrible. I mean, <laughs> plot holes you could drive a truck through. Uh, and I called her up and said, what the hell? I mean, this is, this is not a good series. This is ridiculous. She said, yeah, I know it's ridiculous. And I'm like, well, why do you, she said, I just like it. Here's what I, the Stargate series is very classic sort of the TV I grew up with, which is all the characters stay the same and nothing much happens. And it's just sort of a monster of the week. Whereas since that series came out, we've been treated to TV series where characters evolve and change and conflict comes in and conflict is resolved. And there's much more of a storytelling and narrative arc to a series. So my point is what Meredith, what you're doing is, is very sophisticated and you are um, the Sopranos. You are any of these game of Thrones. You're all these Harry Potter, Harry Potter, where you start out in one, in one, in your innocence and evolve slowly over time into something richer. Your story grows and builds and changes 
Whereas I'm still back at the Stargate version of just write a book and have it be there and I'll sit it next to the other book and they'll have similar covers, right? So they're both valid. They are perfectly valid and there's nothing wrong with having a series that that doesn't have an overarching storyline that connects them. It could just be, you know, family members or friends or whatever. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I think that is a perfectly excellent way of creating a series. It's just that uh, this is a different way. And I looked at it and I got the idea from Rowling and, and the Harry Potter series. You did. You did. Yeah. That's cool. Well, that's very cool. And I aspire to that. I would like that too. I think that's a really neat idea. And I would like to have an overarching um, story that resolves. And I'm I'm trying it a little bit in this new series, The Surprise Millionaires, but it's not as sophisticated as yours. So I love like, well, this is an evolution. This is a process. Yeah. I like how neat it is to have that kind of evolution and that advancement of a of a larger plot so in the if speaking in terms of of a tv series i'm meeting the challenges of every episode and you're meeting the challenges of an entire season which is right yeah that's it's better tv it's better reading i think and and i would imagine it would encourage someone to keep reading a series because you still don't know what happened with lord montgomery who wants to kill the prince and the princess, right? That's still unresolved. I have this happily ever after and they're happy, but there's, I still have questions. So I think probably it's not just good storytelling. It's also good. It's Shahrazad. You have not finished your story yet. <laughs> yes. And I just hope that I don't piss off my reader <laughs> because each, the first two books end with a conclusion of the romance, the primary romance, but they all end with a touch of a cliffhanger because the overarching story isn't finished. I think that's different, though, because uh, I just read a cliffhanger recently that I wasn't expecting. I didn't realize it was a cliffhanger. And I'm waiting for these two people to get together, and the book's getting shorter and shorter and shorter. And then all of a sudden, it's like, well, Will they be happy together? Read the next book. I'm like, well, that's not the promise. In romance, I get a happily ever after. So I think that what you have done is a successful thing. You've not ticked people off by not concluding the romance. You just haven't yet concluded the overarching story. So exactly, you, you you wouldn't piss me off. Okay, good. And hopefully many people will agree with you. Hopefully many people agree. Next week, Meredith, you and I are going to talk about imagery. Yeah. It's a big topic. I'm going to, I'm going to pull a few examples from my favorites of people who use imagery cleverly, obviously, subtly, stupidly. Let's do a little, <laughs> let's do a little dramatic presentation next week. Sounds great. <laughs> All right. Then I'll talk to you next week. Terrific. Thanks, Prue. Thank you. Bye. That's it for the Writer's Block Party this week. We don't want you getting so drunk on knowledge that you can't drive your laptop safely. But next week we'll be here before you know it, so check out the website at thewritersblockpartypodcast.com. One word. That's where you can find our archive 
of past podcasts and a place where you can get in touch with Mary and Prue or ask questions for the next podcast. Write with joy, friends, and see you next week. Thank <laughs> you.